this morning, I, I want to just quickly finish some thoughts that we started last weekend together about um, when Peter wrote to the church about, above all else, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. And um, we, we spoke about a number of facets of that, but I just want to ask, you know, for those of you who were here last week, um, we, we talked about how God's um, invitation for us is to go into deeper and deeper experiences of his love for our life. And that means greater and greater experiences where his love can overcome those things that we are um, either get... Um, cranky about or offended by or, uh, or don't feel like we have capacity to do, but his love is wanting to take us into greater measures of that. And one of the things that um, I was thinking, I wonder how many people this week had an opportunity to love someone who was multitudinally sinning. You had the capacity to love them this week or you were invited by God into a situation where at first thoughts and actions is like I can't stand this what I'm in I can't stand the person that I'm in the room with right now I can't stand the attitudes that are manifesting around me right now and all of a sudden we found ourselves in that room where it's like this is exactly what Peter is saying above all else we need to align our life and heart with the work of the Holy Spirit and you know what Above all else, love, which means it's our, first, it's our first choice. It's our first priority. It's our first decision. It's our first action. And that means because we do that, we choose to overcome and wipe away all of those transgressional things that are coming towards us and even manifesting through us. And God's love sets us free. Um, I mean, how many people this week had the opportunity? Also, we spoke last week about how God invites us to love out of his family of origin, the relationship that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have together, and that we get the opportunity to love out of his family of origin and not the blind spots of our earthly family of origin. You know, we're all brought up and groomed to behave and respond uh, through our families of origins. You know, our parents and grandparents and our siblings modelled to us what love looked like. And then we got called into the kingdom of God. Then we got drawn into this amazing relationship of love that the Father, Son and Spirit shares together. And out of the overflow of that, our life has meaning because we've been touched by love. We've had a revelation of Jesus. I mean, how many people this week got the opportunity to learn to love from the Godhead towards someone else and not out of your own family of origin? Because so often that's our biggest hurdle to coming into the fullness of kingdom life and kingdom community and kingdom power and kingdom authority because we're still operating out of our families of origin. We're not operating out of the love of the Godhead. And so this is where Jesus, this is why Peter's writing to the church. I mean, Peter's writing to the church at a time, you know, where there's great cultural shift taking place. There's big cultural shift. And these people are in all these different regional areas over a vast amount of land. 
And he's writing to this group that are spread out and, and they're, they're, they're experiencing hostility because it's a pagan context. It's a context that wants to be ignorant of God and not ignorant that no one's spoken of God, but in the face of these Jesus people that Peter's writing to in their context, in, in the face of these Jesus people trying to do Jesus' life, the context and culture around them says, no, we choose to be ignorant of what you carry. That's, that's the ignorance that Peter's addressing is in, our, in, in his culture, and I still believe we contend with that in our context and culture. Just aggressive ignorance where people will point at and accuse without the knowledge of knowing what it is that we're actually walking in. They would choose to be ignorant. Great, great, great time of persecution. They were misunderstood. They were harshly treated. Um, and all they were trying to be was the people of God in the earth. And you've got to understand, Peter's writing this to a people, a people group. See, God's always been interested in saving the world through a people group. That's why he called a nation to himself, the smallest of them. He called them to himself because he was going to win the world through a people, through a tribe, through a fellowship of believers. And we see that story right through from Old to New Testament, the witness of the Scriptures. God is calling a people. And these people, the people that Peter is writing to, they're trying to be like Jesus. They're trying to hold on to love. They're trying to operate out of the, the love of the Godhead. They're trying to address cultural issues that are coming against the life of their fellowship together with, with the generosity of the kingdom of God and holding on to a sense of truth and yet loving those that are being hostile and, and choosing to want to be ignorant of the love that these people carry. They're, they're in a really hot environment. And, and Peter's saying, look, guys, above everything else, and you've got to remember, this guy walked with Jesus. This guy walked with Jesus he saw Jesus do outrageous kingdom stuff, raising people from the dead, going to funerals and walking along and touching a casket and saying, here, lady, your son is returned to you. Peter was there. I mean, this is Peter when Peter saw, like, there's all these people on the hillside. How on earth are they going to get fed today? Tell them to go away. And Jesus is like, no, no, just what do we got? What resources have we got? Bring them here. Let's just give thanks to the Father and share them around. And sure enough, Peter was one of the guys distributing all this food and not just distributing, then gathering up the excess of the food after the thousands had been fed from just a small amount of resource. This, this guy walked with Jesus. And so when he's writing to the church, he's writing from a... I've, not, not that he's proudly doing this, but he's writing from a place of experience and knowledge and friendship and intimacy with God. He's also writing from a place of having not only walked closely with God, but also knowing the agony of saying, I don't know him. And abandoning Jesus when Jesus needed him most. And he abandoned Jesus, and yet, he, you know, in the glorious you know, after realities of Jesus' resurrection, he invites Peter to breakfast on the beach and he restores Peter's life. I mean, and, and so this guy, this Peter, he's writing to the church and he's saying, church, above all 
else. Above all else, the culture, the hotbed of kingdom life, the, the, the manifest realities of being the people of God, above all else, love. Love. He's, he's, this is the priority message. This is the priority activity. This is the priority action. It's, it's love. It's loving like God does. And we explored that last week a little. This, this agape love. It's, 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 a, it's a love that is... Um, let me try and jump to it here. It's an affectionate love. In other words, it comes from a place of great intelligence of our emotional life. You've got to listen to this thing in here. We, we Greeks, are, uh, we want to separate this out from this. But Peter's writing in a context where he's come from a Hebrew background where this and this live in beautiful harmony. And in fact, this is a servant to the intelligence of this. This is informed by the emotional intelligence of where God resides with a human being. His spirit lives. And, 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 and so it's, it's this place of, of affectionate emotional intelligence. This is what it means to love. That's why, you know, we stand here and people pray for us and we cry and we laugh, we feel joy, we like, because it's, this is our emotionally intelligent response to the presence of love. And in the absence of that as well, we need to listen to our emotional intelligence. It's where do we go, though, when we do feel that in absence? It's a place of goodwill. This sense of agape, agape love. It's this goodwill. And I, and I just really pushed the accelerator. And it was good this morning. You know, we're all encouraged to prophesy. That is the most cut through tool of the Holy Spirit that we need to be operating in. The prophetic. It is the cut through anointing tool of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says it in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 14. You don't just play with this thing. Pursue it with all your emotions and intelligence and hunger after this gifting of God. Why? Because when we speak the heart of God over people, we are releasing the goodwill, the purposes, the plans, and helping people come alive to the reality of God. It's a place of brotherly love. I've already touched on that this morning. Are we operating out of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or are we operating out of our family of origin? And it's a place of benevolence. It's a, it's a, it's a, a benevolent love. It's a, you know what, completely undeserving, but that's all okay. You're still lovable. You're still lovable. Um, we, we touched on these realities last week. This morning, I just want to quickly read that scripture to us again. If you've got your Bible, open it up to 1 Peter 4 or your app, or you're just welcome to read along up on the screen there. Uh, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all else, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If any speaks, he should do it um, as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised uh, through Jesus Christ, and to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. 
Um, now, <clears throat> most important of all, Peter's saying, you've got to make it about love. The message, the core message of kingdom love is the ministry and message of Jesus. It's also meant to be the message of the, the people of Jesus, the gathered people on mission following God into all the earth. And as, as, a, as, a, as a local church, we at the Vineyard, this is what we're all about. It is the most excellent way. This is why we have this little tag, this little catchphrase of a mission statement on our materials that says we want to be a people that love God with our whole heart and we want to love people without condition. That is a massive (laughs) call to reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit. Massive. But that's who we are. Because above all, it's that priority that releases all kingdom action and activity. Without this, we will be simply a a, a noise, like a god-awful noise. (laughs) Like, what the heck is that? Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 13. You just sound like a, like a, like a loud clanging cymbal. <laughs> just like, and when that's done in, in the random, it's like, that doesn't fit. That's, a, that's annoying <laughs> when it's not done with love. Pete calls the church into wholehearted participation of a culture of love in community choosing to fellowship with one another. It's my conviction that when this is happening, when this kind of love is manifesting, that there comes a greater release of kingdom fruitfulness, of personal flourishing in Jesus, in increased manifest power of the person and the works of the Holy Spirit. It is my personal conviction that when we are learning to love deeply, choosing to cover over the multitude of sin, choosing to wipe that away and see them like the Father does through the eyes of Christ, we see increase. The message of love, it's interesting here in 1 Peter 4, 7, Peter's tied this message of love with spiritual power for the believers. He's tied them together in this one little verse, if you can see it up there. But there's a few things that I want to address in our frameworks of thinking that sometimes exist about spiritual power and gifts. Um, And Peter, in his letter, he wants to correct that, and I do too, so that we can have a more fruitful life, a life that flourishes, a life that is full of joy and greater glory for God in the earth. The first one I want to touch on is this, the sense of... um, Only the gifted get to play. I mean, we live in a world where that is true. Only the gifted, only the anointed, only the the highly, you know, elite get to have opportunity. And the rest of us are fighting the whole time to get some opportunity. And, And unless you get it, you don't get given opportunity, unless you are gifted. But Peter makes a declaration that in the community of Jesus, where love is, is above all else, abounding and flowing deeply for each other, he makes a declaration. God has given each of you a spiritual gift. It's a, it's a declaration. He's not saying start wishing you might get one one day. He's saying as the people of the kingdom, as Jesus' people in, a, in an aggressively you know, hostile context uh, around you, guess what? 
God has endowed each of you with his spirit and giftings. How many of us would feel really comfortable right now turning to the person near us and saying, you know what? I have the gift of faith. I have the gift of prophecy. I have the gift of teaching. Um, I have the gift of stewardship and serving. I have the gift of administration. How comfortable would we be turning to the other nearby us and actually saying, declaring what it is God's put on us? Because if you're anxious or nervous or feel a little withdrawn from that, you're not living in the power of love. Come on, people. If you want to walk in power, you must know that you're loved. Above all, and flowing from that is the declaration, God's spirit is on you. I thought that was hot what Luke was doing this morning. When Trent goes, hey, you need to read this about yourself out loud. Boom. I've been anointed. You know, this 12-year-old son of mine says, 13-year-old son of mine says, Thank you for the correction. He's not quite there. Not quite 14. So, but he's making this declaration about what God has put on his life. How comfortable are we if someone jammed a microphone in our mouth to say, God's anointed me like this? I mean, we live in a context and a culture where anyone that would dream of doing that or, or step forward to do that was like, oh, shut up and sit down. But we're living in the culture of the kingdom of God. We're living in, the, in the, the work of Jesus, the love of God manifest in a group of people choosing to, above all else, love each other deeply from the heart. We have been gifted by God. The reality is, you know, I remember a number, number of years back, early on in my personal walk, I saw a couple of who, who to me now are just like kingdom of God heroes in my own experience. I looked at them and I'm going, oh my gosh, look at the way they cast out demons. Look at the way they just so casually heal the sick. Oh my gosh, look at what they're doing. Look at the manifest power of God flowing through that, that just, just the way that they're kind of engaging right there. Oh man, I want to do that. The reality is we have all been anointed by the Holy Spirit for those who've said yes to Jesus Christ. His gifting is in you and on you. It's just underdeveloped. It's just underdeveloped. And the only way you develop something is you have to continue to put yourself in the context of, I want to grow. I, I, I want, you see, when I saw these guys doing what I thought was just like, whoa, only the gifted get to do that. No. God invited me then into a personal life journey of going, I can do that too because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me even as he is on all of us. But are we choosing like, to, to put ourselves in the context of, okay, I want to grow. I want these gifts of God in my life to flourish, to be fruitful, to have great impact and effect in the places in which I live and walk and work every day. You are anointed. One of the things that we love here at the Vineyard is a saying that John Wimber coined many, many years ago, and that is, when it comes to spiritual gifts, everyone gets to play. Not the super anointed. Everyone. Just everyone. 
Now, you will have different measures of that manifesting according to where you are in the developmental process of God growing you up in the works of the Spirit and the functioning of them. The logic may be true in this world that only the gifted or the anointed people get to have a go, but here in the people of God, in the people of Jesus, in the community of God's love on the earth, everyone has received and everyone gets to play. I can now cast out demons like once I never could. I can now walk into hospitals and not feel anxious or fear or like I'm on some sort of, I'm not allowed to really be here. No, I am. I carry the authority of the commission of the ambassadorship of Christ in the earth. So I walk into the hospital like that. Not unapologetic, sorry, I'm in your way. No, no, I'm, I'm coming, not rudely, not proudly, but just convinced and, and anointed. This is who I am. I've come to pray for the sick. You know, like we were up there the other day praying for Ashley last weekend, you know, and the Lord just like in the space of 15 hours like totally healed him of pneumonia. It's just amazing. But as we were praying for him, I laid hands to him and, you know, the curtains are all open and everyone's watching in the room and we were just being ourselves about it. And then I said, and God, I'm not just praying for Ashley. I'm praying for every sick person in this hospital. Why? Because that's the degree of faith that has now risen in me over the years. I'm not just praying for the immediate. I'm praying for the entire atmosphere of that hospital to know the healing of God. Now, I don't know if there was any other breakthroughs or stories or random healings that took place, but my expectation was that what God was doing in that room with Ashley right there was manifesting right around the hospital in all sorts of places. That was my expectation. And that's not because I was getting G'd up, hyped up, or I took a big shot of caffeine before I walked in the door. It's because I've been gifted by God and I've aligned my life with the declaration of what it looks like when love is at work, when love is crashing through, when love is breaking through. It's not just for the gifted or the elite. This is for everyone. And here at the Vineyard, we're given to that. I want you guys... I mean, one of the things I loved about being able to send John uh, to, um, and Naomi to Melbourne to pastor the church down there um, just over 12 months ago, nearly this weekend, was that he has become a far superior teacher and handler of the Word of God than I have ever been. And his wisdom and the grace that's on his life to steward the word of God. And he understands the Greek and the Hebrew and the interplay between all of those things that I just like, I wagged class when it came to that stuff. I was like, I can't, I couldn't do that. Just give me the, you know, the, the cheat sheets sort of thing. <laughs> but, but that particular area of grace on his life astounds me what God has done. This young footballer slash concreter who said, I'm giving myself to Jesus because love crashed through and he's aligned his life with that anointing on his life, that grace of the Spirit, and now he's an amazing teacher of the Word of God. 
You need to get onto podcast and, 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 and onto SoundCloud and start listening to some of his stuff. He's teaching me now. He's teaching me. My student is teaching me. This is the way it should be. Ah, oh, man, that just, that gets me jived up. <laughs> but get into kinship. It's a safe place to learn, to grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've got some amazing kinship groups happening in this place. Hook into them. And just remember, when you enter that room with each other, hey, guess what? We've all been anointed to do the works of Christ. Let's have a crack at this. Let's have a go. You, friends of Jesus, are in him anointed to do the kingdom works. Well, guess what? One of the things that we have a very big fixation on in the West is we want to make everything about ourselves. Every gift we receive must be for me. Well, in regards to the work of the kingdom of God and the, and the context of the people of Jesus, you have received a gift, but it is not for you. It is not for you. All those prophetic words that God has spoken into your heart and your spirit and those dreams and those visions and that anointing power and all those experiences, as hot as it is and as awesome as it is when God visits us like that, it's not for you. He's empowering you with his spirit for the well-being of others. Peter says it. Each one of you has received to serve. That's what love looks like. To serve. The works, the fruit and the power of the spirit always want to point beyond the self. Even that's the activity of the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not interested in the highlight and all the dynamism of it, making it about himself. The scriptures clearly say he lives to put the spotlight on the reality of Jesus. All his manifest giftings and power. So people would go, look at Jesus. Opening people up to Jesus. This This is the way of the spirit. We need our mind recalibrated here in the West. And the thing is, in the context of this scripture, Peter is not saying it's an option. Oh, look, you've been anointed, and if you feel like it, you know, serve each other. That's not the implication of the text. If you read it in its, its original form, the implication is Peter is commanding. The command of the heart of God is that you serve. No, there's no little fine print option thing down the bottom. <laughs> you have been anointed with the Spirit, with the gifts to serve. Now, many of us think there's an opt-out clause. And many of us over the years, when things are hard and life is difficult and relationships don't work the way that we thought they should or could, when we find ourselves in circumstances of sickness or, or, or financial distress or isolation, we find ourselves in this place where we're going, oh my goodness, it's, we want to make it about me. But it's right there in that moment that the power of love wants to take you out of making it about yourself and bringing you into the fruit, the power and the wholeness of why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. 
Let that be the orientation of our heart. Let that be the choice of our life. Let that be the way through the difficulty. Let the, my first choice is, above all, love, which is the rule and reign of Jesus. Seek first. Not, oh, I've tried this and I've expended all this energy over here and I've worked all this anxiety and stuff over here and I've spent all my resources on that. No, seek first. Align yourself first with love with the rule and reign of God. Let love crash into that circumstance. Let love crash through you. Have a note about that, um, you know, that scripture there where Peter is actually saying um, uh, to serve others. He talks about how, if you notice there, he'll say, if you've been given the gift of hospitality... The question is, who is meant to be the recipient of that hospitality? Who is meant to get the fruit of that hospitality? It's the one who receives the hospitality. It's the same thing with if you're speaking. It's not so that you can find great self-adulation. It's for the benefit of the one who is doing the listening. As you're speaking, the fruit and the benefit of that love is for the one who is listening. The gift that God has given to you and to me upon us is through us for others. But surely... um, Surely I get to make a choice in all of this. Well, yeah, you do. Surely I get to make a a determining reality on whether or not I get to choose to move in this grace, this work of the Holy Spirit. But I believe the choice of whether or not we use our gifts is the same choice as whether or not we choose to hurt other people with our words. It's the same as the choice we use to, will I be generous financially or won't I? Will I lust after that person or won't I? Will I engage in adulterous activity or won't I? Will I have relationship with substance over people and God or won't I? It's that same reality of choice. Will I give myself to the work of God on my life or won't I? And Peter here is calling the Christian community, the church, to a place of love that seeks to choose to be obedient. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, the NASB version. I I like that because I like that word, employ. Employ, right there. That one struck me when I was reading it. Employ. We We have an incredible ministry of mercy flowing through this place to our region. And one of the things that we're constantly confronting day in, day out, every time the team opens the doors, feeds and gives away and goes shopping and prays with people and cleans up and makes sure that everyone's got tea and coffee and feels at home, they're confronting so many people who have been hit with the realities of unemployment. Unemployment where people are, have, because of the effects of unemployment, not being able to find a job, have found a lack of purpose in their life. 
They find themselves with an ebbing sense of, what's the point? Why am I even here? They're wrestling with depression. They find themselves isolated. They find the power of shame coming over them to the point where they have to, you know, I have to actually put my hand out and ask for help. The impact of unemployment. Now let's just mirror that into are we employing the work of the gifts of the Spirit that are on our life? And, and, and I'll tell you now, there's a great deal of unemployment in the people of Jesus in the body of Christ wherever I go. There's a bunch of unemployment. There's a bunch of people who have been, that are being impacted by the, the poverty of that unemployment mentality brings them to. That, that place of passivity, that place of lack of vision, that place of uh, what's the point anyway? I'll just go and you know, live it for myself and make it all about me. That place of, oh God, I'm so frustrated and isolated. I'm now worthless. Let me tell you, friends, Unemployment is a sure sign in the kingdom of God. Now I'm talking spiritual unemployment here. I'm talking spiritually moving and employing the gifts of the spirit that are on your life. Unemployment is a revelation of the absence of love. Because somewhere along the line, we have chosen to distance ourselves from God. That's where unemployment creeps in. That's when we take all those prophecies of the heart of God that people have spoken into the fibre of our being and we've just gone, I'm just going to leave it over there. There's a lot of unemployment in the body of Jesus. When it should be, everyone gets to play. And everyone not should just get to play, but everyone should be playing. (laughs) Everyone. There should be no spiritual unemployment in the body of Jesus. Every, you have been saved into a body of believers. Go and read Romans all about that. Well, I don't feel like it. I don't have the resources. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. Well, stop operating out of our own energy and let's operate out of the energy of the strength of God that Peter says is generously available to us. Remember who it was, whose power it was that actually resurrected Jesus from death? Who was that? Who was that that the scripture says, the power that rose him from the dead? Who was that? The Holy Spirit. Spirit. Well, guess what? He has anointed you and he is upon you. The very energy that rose the physical Jesus from death lives in you, lives on you is empowering you. So to say, oh, I haven't got the energy, means, again, we're distancing ourselves from true love. And we're operating out of our own capacities, our own flesh, our own soulish attitudes, rather than abandoning ourselves to the power of love. I don't feel like it today, but I choose by the power of the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, your kingdom first. For your greater glory, for the well-being of other people and for my joy, please, Holy Spirit, move in me. That's our prayer when we start the day. Well, I don't have the energy. Well, I don't have time. I don't have time to serve the body of Jesus. I don't have time for any of that. That's just not the case. You do. You do. 
You do have time to ring people up. You do have time to go and serve the poor. You do have the resources to love God generously. You do have the capacity to reach out and heal. You do. You do. Because Pete says it. You have been anointed. And your own history and my history testifies to that truth. That we do have the capacity. Because Jesus is alive in us. Jesus is like, I've been, you know, watching some of you guys over the last six months and you guys, I'm like, some of you guys are really leaning in and going for it. And it's like, you're just like, I'm watching. It's like every time I see you, you're becoming more and more on fire, more and more alive because you're choosing to do this thing with the energy of Christ. And Paul talks about that in Colossians. He says, it's the energy of Christ that so vigorously is at work in the members of my body. His physiological being was being consumed by the power of the living Jesus in his flesh, in his choices. Friends, where love is growing cold, it manifests in signs where we are drawing on our own capacities and we're no longer letting love lead the way. Perhaps we're at a place where it's like, well, you know what? I've tried. I've been there. And to be honest, I don't know that it makes a difference anyway. Well, I would want to speak right into the core of that both hopelessness and lie. And I would want to declare that, yes, every act and every choice to say yes to Jesus, be it small in the eyes of others and huge in your own life, makes a difference, makes a very big difference. One of the things that we have to trust God with in this kingdom life is the interior world of people. Because unlike other professions and vocations, we, can, we can't see what's going on on the inside. But what we can see only by way of what's happening on the outside, what is happening on the inside. And that's why, you know, myriads of counsellors and, and pastoral care people and prayer ministry people and all that. Why? Because, because we're trying to help people get in touch with what actually God is doing in their life by helping them to observe what's going on around their life and through their life. You can make a difference and you do make a difference. Even on your best and worst days, every time you say yes to Jesus, you bring him glory. You bring him glory, whether the world sees it or not. Whether the world sees it or not. You know, many years ago, I didn't even know that I was making a difference in the area of um, modelling what a marriage should look like until someone told Nicole and I that they, their, not this particular person was talking to us, but their friend was driving past us at 60 kilometres an hour in a car and saw Nicole and I and the way that we were interacting in the car together and their friend commented to them and said, the way they were engaging with each other just showed me how, how amazing God's love is. And I'm like, how does... How does that work? How, how does it, no, seriously, like, how does that work? I'm doing 80 kilometres an hour 
and someone just zings by me and I'm having a chat to Nick and yet somehow there's a testimony of, of love in that that the passerby observes and goes, hey, you know those guys. That, you know, when I drove past them the other day, the love of God was just so real to me about what a married couple could look like. Really? Really? Now, I'm pretty sure that there's been many other testimonies when I've been driving the car talking to Nick. We maybe haven't released a testimony of Jesus. <laughs> but in that moment, there was, to the greater glory of God. To the greater glory of God that that person's life got impacted in such a way. Like how God, every time we choose to act in love toward and align our life with God's love in Christ, we see the power of the Holy Spirit releasing a testimony to Jesus. Friends, don't give up on making a difference. You are making a massive difference in a very hostile spiritual environment in which you live. With every choice you are making in regards to how you respond to your employers or treat your employees, in every, in every attitude and the way that you're choosing to love your children or engage with young people or, 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 or think about those high schoolers as you're driving past, you know, and let your first thoughts be of God's heart for them. You're making a difference. Every time you say yes to Jesus, you are making a big difference. You are extending the kingdom of God. And we do this so that in all things God would be praised and to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And he, and he puts a big amen on the end of that. In other words, he's saying, so let this be. So let this be. It's interesting, that little so that, the inference there, so that God gets great glory. It's crucial because it makes the promise dependent upon the things that we've been talking about what God wants to do. So that is dependent upon our acts of obedience, our aligning our life with, with the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is glorified through every obedient use of, of his gifts in us, and that's what matters, his glorification. Um, <clears throat> so just to finish with a couple of quick questions. Do we really believe that God has gifted us with his spirit? Do we really believe that that gift is not for ourselves but to serve others? And the thing that wrenches at my heart the most after 25 years of serving the body of Jesus in various places is how are we choosing to steward this most precious gift of God when we choose to not make it about serving others, when we choose to say, I don't have any energy for this and I'm, I'm putting my hands up and I'm quitting. I'm not, I'm not laying guilt on here. I'm just letting you know 
there is observational wrenching in my heart when I see people choose that because in the choosing of that, they're choosing to distance themselves from above all love. Have you given up because you didn't see the results that you'd hoped for? Have you benched yourself and turned a deaf ear to the heart of God for your life? Come out of the shadow lands. Come out of the shadow lands. Choose not to live in the lies of the shadow lands. You were not built for the shadow lands. You have been anointed by the living God with his spirit to live in the full brightness of his glory on the earth so that the world would know God is king and his name is Jesus and he's here for everyone. Come out of the shadow lands. Um, I have a vision that I'll leave you with as um, Nick and I go on our break. I have a, a burning desire for renewed vision of God for my life, for your life and for our life together, for the well-being of our region and that our nation would know Jesus is Lord. I have a burning desire for renewed vision and that's how I'm praying as I'm going on this break. I'm like, renew it in me, God. I want renewed vision. And in that vision, above all else, that it would be a culture of love where you, where we have been stepped into the fullness of realising we have been gifted by God with his spirit and where we have been gifted for the sake of others and where we are living from the energy of the Holy Spirit and where we realise we are making a massive difference with every decision of obedience to Jesus as we trust and employ the gift of God that is upon us. Can I leave that with you? Let's pray. Why don't we stand and pray?